So today on Vulnerable, I have the pleasure of speaking with actor Luke Cook. Uh, We connected on TikTok where he is, oh man, is he funny. And he's extremely talented. And we didn't realize that we have a lot of the same training um, and certain experiences uh, in parenting. And we had a really great time connecting. Um, And also, I should just note that this was kind of like a cross collab. So he was interviewing me and I was interviewing him was really fun. So I hope you enjoy this very collaborative and humorous episode of Vulnerable. Luke! Christy Romano. I said that funny. That's okay. You can say it funny. (laughs) You know, I was doing some research about you um, because I wanted to know more about you. And I found this article that was so sassy. Actually, mean. It was mean. And it was so strange because it was written by a journalist who came to your house for the Texas journal or some terrible thing. Mm-hmm. Can I swear? You better fucking swear. Oh, good. Yeah. Some Texas journal, some shit. And she was just such a bitch. It's really fucked up. Isn't it terrible to have someone in your house? And she was like, I wonder if she's going to wear the eyelashes, <laughs> her fake eyelashes. I wonder if she's going to wear them. And I'm like, hello, you're in someone's house. She's about to come down and talk to you. Like, you're going to be nice. And she's like, you know she wants you to subscribe to all her channels. She lets you that know that really early. And I'm like, of course she wants you to subscribe to the channels. That's why channels are there to my, be subscribed to. My favorite quote of this article, and then I'll and then I'll walk it back. My favorite quote to this, which is now still in there, even though <laughs> fuck this fucking article. So, okay. <laughs> You don't even know. I feel so seen by Luke right now. Um, Obviously, we know each other from social media, from TikTok, but he was just downstairs and I say, hi. And he goes, you know, I've read this article. And I was like, fuck that fucking article. And it's like, we're obviously besties now. Yeah. Um, So basically, there was a direct quote that she's like, for a woman that's nearly 40, with the way that I title my YouTubes and stuff like that, it's very eye catching and Mm -hmm. I'm I'm playing the game like we all are. Everyone else does. Yeah. Not a problem. Even she is, apparently. Right. Um, it was like, for a woman that's nearly 40, it's, it's um, we don't know if she's in on the gag. Mm. It says that. And I was like, bitch, I am the gag. I'm like, I, I invented the gag. Like, right. The, the eyelashes, like everything is a part of that. But can but for you not to see that, I'm not even sure how you even have your job. Mm. Mm. So here's what happened, because you brought it up. Yeah, so, come on, hit me with it. Are you ready? Yeah. You, have you ever, have, do you know many Sicilian women? Unfortunately not. Yeah. yeah okay, it would have so, changed the, um, I may not be alive, but I know more. <laughs> so I'm Sicilian, which okay. means that I'm a very vengeful person by nature. Mm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's something that I've had to struggle with and deal with uh, a, lo- a lot in mm. my life. But, yeah, um, the Sicilian-ness. And the fact that you're a big gagger, apparently. I'm a big gagger? You just said that, didn't you? Something about gagging? I don't gag. You said it's part of the gag. Oh, is Australia? It's different. <laughs> I just had to get it's it a out because you were word. talking about it's all part of the gag. I'm in on the gag, <laughs> and I'm like, I've got to say the joke. You're a big gagger. Okay, so you're Sicilian. Don't fight me. Talk to me. Got it. Okay, so basically, I was approached. I have a wonderful press team, yeah. and they were like Texas Monthly, it, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm you know, I've lived here for a couple years now. I went through this horrible freeze in Austin, Texas, and I felt baptized. It had been six months since I lived there, and I was like, wow, I lost my power. Um, I, I know everyone on my block. We, we've all come together. We shared firewood. Like, you know, I, I come in peace to Austin. Mm. I'm not trying to Californiaize anyone's politics. I, <laughs> I've literally had to, like, uh, fire contractors who came into my home and, like, started talking shit about Californians coming and, like, kind of being rude to me and my husband. And, and my husband's like a former Marine. He's like, fuck off. I don't care what you, th- you don't come in my house and disrespect me. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, we, and we also are from New York. I'm from Connecticut originally. Sure. Um, I've lived in lots of places. It's not one mentality. Yeah. So moving to a state has nothing to do with like whether I'm going to be a good person or a bad person. I'm always a very big try hard when I when I come someplace. I'm like I want to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. How can I volunteer? Yeah, I'm like that as a mom. Is that um, why you've taken up line dancing? No. Have you not taken up line dancing? <laughs> no. You live in Texas now. I know you're right. You come know what? On. She was right. She was right all along. <laughs> you've proven her point. One thing that she did say was. Um, 
she joins a sleuth of minor celebrities who moved to Texas. And I'm like, that's not nice to say. And then she goes on to name Hillary Duff and Adrian Grenier. And I'm like, they're no, not ha- Haley Duff. Haley, well, I It's Hillary's know. sister. But they're both celebrities. They are. And they're ha- not minor. A- no, Adrian Grenier, um, James Vanderbeek. Right, they're not um, minor celebrities, in my opinion. N- no. Like, I, th- I know who they are, which means something. It was a really shitty article. and. Yeah. Um, I was I was very hurt by it because I welcomed this person into my home, like yes. you said. What the fuck? And she saw my nanny and my children. And she named my nanny by name. And she also mentioned things about where I lived. And I was like, hey, you've got to edit this out right now because my, I, I basically was like, this is a safety issue at yeah, this yeah, point. Yeah. You, she said exactly what color my car was and what model it was. She said how much it was. Yeah. Um, she, she, you know, which, so this is the fucked up part and which is what I, what I warn you about or anybody. So she came in and she was like, um, you know, um, I'm sober and I've been sober since my first pregnancy. So oh. when you talk to somebody and you're like, I'm sober, you're sober, I've got your back is like yeah. the undercurrent of that. Yep. Yep. That was one of the first things that she said after I welcomed her into my home and apparently Greatly disappointed her because I didn't wear false eyelashes. Right, right. Um, and I get it. Like, no, I actually don't fucking get it. But okay, so <laughs> she was nice to you. Is the point? She Super tried to commune with you. Fucking nice. And acted like we're gonna get along like pals. And then she wrote this article like it's completely two faced. And I actually went over. You know, I, I was begging my press people. I was like, please have her make these edits. You know, certain things that she said, even about my husband, were inaccurate and hurtful. Mm-hmm. And I was like, please don't bring other people into this. Like, you know, she's, I think this writer is like a, a seventh generation Texan. Mm. And and I don't know what the motivation was or if she's not even aware of how hurtful it was. Right. Because they keep reposting it to Twitter and stuff. And like, <laughs> look, I know how to play the fucking game. Yeah. I've I've SEO'd my shit to, to, to get people, everything that we do on TikTok, it's viral. We understand virality, yeah. but it's not going to be at at the, um, you know, to take someone else down. Yeah. That's so fucked up. Yes. Well, you must be used to this. I am not, and um, nobody's really ever done anything quite like that to me. Dude, that was the first time that ever happened to me. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. Gosh. That's you why th- it was I- so, so, I was so angry. Yeah. So tell me about like acting, like, I mean, and how you've come to fame. I, I don't actually know the full story because I was looking up articles and I found this one and that's as far as I got. It was just too good. Um, tell me. But wait, so when you came, when you came off of that article, were you like, oh, I like Christy or oh, I no. feel bad oh, for no, Christy? Oh no, I feel bad for you. I knew that okay. it was fake. I knew it was awful. I was like, yeah. this is so, so un, 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 untrue. And, <laughs> and I didn't even know that you, so I didn't even know that I, I, I was just, it was just clearly a hit piece. Okay. So, but how early did you start to act? Um, so I was six and a half when I started doing uh, like competitive dance and stuff. And mm. I got scouted at one of those dance competitions that we have here in the States. I'm not sure if they have them in Australia. Maybe. Uh, but we have very much like a dance moms kind of yeah, reality yeah, yeah. show. Okay. And so, you know, my, my siblings, I'm the youngest of four Italian family. My mom's originally from the Midwest and uh, yeah, I got scouted by some sort of like agent who'd smoke c- cigarettes that were like a mile long in her basement in New Jersey. Okay. Her name was Shirley Grant. Wow. And she was quite a character that mm. I remember vividly. And she sent me out on a bunch of commercials and I ended up having a big personality. So I booked some work and uh, I just, uh, yeah, I started pretty young but I very quickly moved to musical theater. Mm-hmm. So when I was eight and a half, I left my home and went on the road with my mom with something called the Will Rogers Follies. So, and I was on the road, you know, city to city every week uh, for about a year, mm-hmm. maybe longer. Mm. Yeah. And wow. um, yeah, it's crazy. That is crazy. And then it, there was no going back from that. Yeah. Like I think once the genie was out of the bottle, everything in my life was geared towards being uh, trained in certain skills and uh, singing, dancing, yeah, all that stuff. So. And when did you reach, you think, your peak fame? Uh, now, bitch. Really now? No. <laughs> I mean, you could tell me now. I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I imagine it was something around like even Stevens. Yeah, I think like, um, no, because the weirdest shit about that is that I was the part before 
like paparazzi was hounding anyone that was a Disney Channel star, right? Right. So I'm an elder millennial, um, and with that comes a time frame of, you know, am I a 90s star or am I an early 2000s star? And yeah. and the truth is that uh, Disney didn't have a ton of programming. So what they did was they put things into syndication and then they put it in reruns for like 10 years. So my demographic actually spans like de decades. Right, right. Because they all, they're kids. And as you know, it being a father, like kids will just watch whatever even if it's older, yeah. they'll think it's new. Mm -hmm. And so Disney knew that. And because they were, I think they were they were being a little cheap. They were like, we're <laughs> not going to make new content if we don't need to. Um, and so I don't know. I didn't mind it because I got residuals. Yeah, Kids from Nickelodeon didn't get residuals. So I actually was able to have sort of like a, like a, you know, a security mm. blanket for like a while. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And then how old were you when you realized how famous you were? Well, I don't even know if I was ever truly that famous. Okay. Because um, peers of mine, like Hilary Duff, Shia LaBeouf, these were co-stars right. of mine in the things that people know me for. So it's this weird, I wouldn't call it toxic, but it's this symbiotic relationship, I will call it. Mm -hmm. That like when Shia LaBeouf is in the news, people look to me because I played his sister. And so people right. are like, well, what's what's her 10 cents on it? Or what, what does she think? Yeah. And oh, look at how great she's doing, but he's not. It's like, they can't help themselves because yeah. they were grown up or they grew up seeing us in a very particular way. Um, and then with Hillary, it's like, oh, you know, either Christy is good like Hillary, like they both didn't go crazy. Or if anything ever were to come out like, oh, you know, Hillary's so great. And, and I never got direct comparisons for her being great and me not. It's more like they grouped me in with being part of like the celebrities that didn't lose my shit. <laughs> Which, let's that's, face it, good. every single celebrity has lost their shit. You just don't know it. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think this all the time is the the idea that, you know, people always say you never want to meet your heroes. And it's true. And in fact, it's, it's true of anyone that you admire. It's true of anybody at all. The more you get to know them, the quicker you'll figure out that they aren't great. You mean they're human? Everyone. Yeah, every, <laughs> every person. Doesn't matter who. They will, like, if you have a beautiful, fantastical idea of who they are, they will let you down. The, the higher your expectations, the more it's going to crash. Okay, so who have you met that was your hero that did that to you? Oh, I, I haven't, I, I can't say, I'm always ready for them to let me down. Oh, okay. Um, I, I worked on, <laughs> this is so stupid, but I've only had one really bad experience on a TV show set. And it was when I was, a, I was doing a little role, I was doing a co-star on Modern Family. And um, I just thought everyone was... I was, I loved the show and yeah. I came in admiring so many of the actors. And you know, when you're a shit kicker co-star, people are going to, people, you think the best actors aren't going to treat you like a shit kicking co-star. Exactly. The best actors are just going to be kind. Yeah. And Nathan Lane was on set that day, sweet as pie. An amazing actor, someone I truly admire, chatted to me, was kind to me, bam. Somebody else, who I'm not going to say who, like was just like, I was, and who I really admired was like, just a prick. And I was like, oh. See, this is the truth of you. If you treat me this way, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. just because I'm a co-star, you know, if I was maybe on your level or had more lines, maybe you would be kind to me. It's just like, that's who you really are. Yeah. You know? Well, something that I love about your content is just how you decode all that shit um, consistently about influencer culture, celebrity culture. And it just makes me laugh out loud. And my husband, we laugh so hard at all of your content. <laughs> and I just wonder, how did you strike... How did you know the tone that you wanted to lean into? Was it accidental? Did you just start experimenting on TikTok? Yeah, it's accidental. Everything's accidental. And I've been through, I feel like I've been through so many different, not eras, because it's not iconic, but it's like, <laughs> it's just like different, at different times, I'm doing different types of content. Like I've been through so many different types of stages. Mm. And now I'm at this point where I do this, you know, I make fun of <laughs> other people make, you know, other people's content. That's where I'm at. And uh, it, it's been very natural to me. I, I don't have a one niche, like, as you can probably tell, like, I don't have one thing. My friend Celeste Barber. Oh, you love her. She's amazing. She's now, doing she great. Has, she crushes it, but yeah. she does one thing and she does it really well. And I wouldn't know. I, I think I just get bored, frankly. Yeah. But she's so incredible at that one thing and it's done so well for her. I just can't stick to a niche. I just have to do so many different things all the time. Yeah. Do you do you drama know? too? Or yeah, is I'm, comedy mostly? Or? Oh, comedy, comedy online, definitely, because really? it just works better. Okay. Um, I definitely don't want to 
act seriously on TikTok. Um, <laughs> but as a career, like I, yeah, I trained classically, so I trained to do it all. But online, I just love to do. It's it's a great way to tickle my comedy bone. Yeah, you know, because you don't always get that opportunity on set. Well, and you're yeah. very uh, you're very leading man, handsome. And so what I found interesting about your brand is how you've used like the background of you as a model and you like flip it and turn it on its head. It's, you don't tick, you, you don't see a lot of guys do that. No, and I think it really, I think it really, um, people don't really know how to place me much of the time. I don't think people know really what to do with me. That's mm -hmm. my general feeling about my career thus far is that people are like, wait, you look like this, but then you act like this. <laughs> and so it's like, who are you and where do we place you in this, you know, and- um, We call that a mishigosh. A mishigosh. It's a Yiddish word for just mess. Like where a do mess. we put you in this? Exactly, mess? yeah, a mishigosh. It does sound like a Yiddish word, yeah. <laughs> I'd, say that's, I'd say that's what I am. Um, but what about like you, do you still consider yourself an actor? Uh, that's a great question. I would ask you the same thing. <laughs> 100. We're just gonna keep asking back and forth. I mean, you actually live here. Right? I live here and I still like, I'm on a TV show. Wait, I'm sorry, you're on a TV show. Yeah. I'm the worst host ever. Can you please it's, it's tell okay, me? It's okay, like, because it's not out yet. Oh, it's not. No, Because you were Satan right in now. Adventures of Sabrina. I knew that. Yes. But hold on a second. What are you shooting right now? I'm shooting Hacks. I fucking love that. I, oh my God. Yes. Yay. I know. It's great. But oh, I, we're, I'm so we're, we're on a hiatus right now. Somebody okay. got sick, and so we're waiting to go back. And it's a great little. Uh, it's a great little guest star. Um, oh, I'm thing. happy for you. Yeah, so that's good. I, so I still definitely consider myself an actor. I'm still auditioning all the time. Yeah, are you in acting class? No, you, I was You for a strike long time. me as the kind of guy I would have met in acting class. Yes, <laughs> definitely. I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. I went there. Shut the fuck up. For five up. years. Oh yeah, for a long time. How I come was, we didn't see I don't each know. other? I don't know. It must have just not been the same five years because you've been here how long? I've been here for 14 years, but I haven't been I've been That's in LA weird. for 14 years, but I was around the- I went on Monday, Fridays. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we went to a different class. I did Tuesday, Thursdays. Oh, that's crazy. That's so weird. But that's I was there really every day, weird. despite like, uh, for five years, I was there every day doing multiple scenes. Like if somebody was up, every class I was up. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you worked really hard. Yeah, yeah, Because I um, knew uh, this is what I wanted to do, and so I was dedicated to it's it. It's a that's good, a, it was a good school. It's a it great was, school. It was, it was a great school. We had good teachers. Unfortunately, some of them slept with the, you know, the students, and mm -hmm. that was not good. That's not good. <laughs> You can't do that. You really can't? Yeah. Because it's a conflict of As interest. As a student, that was my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my engagements was to one of those people in the classes. So Wow. And it did not end well. I love how one of your engagements, how many did you have? Many and, um, yeah. You mean engagements, not fiancé engagements? Yeah, I mean engagements, fiancé. How many fiancé engagements have you had? Um, Three. Okay. Yeah. And just one of them was from the Beverly Hills Playhouse. <laughs> yes. Wow. But not a teacher. No, 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 no. I did get propositioned by a teacher, though. Wow. And she I could say the name. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've, because I've, oh, no. I've been around there for so long, I heard yeah. all the, the whispers of what was going on with the teachers. And yeah. It was like obviously inappropriate. Um, and they didn't have anything in place to protect students or anybody who had a complaint about even students. Students who are complaining about other students being inappropriate. They yeah. have no, there's nothing in place. There's no infrastructure. But it's really hard. Like an acting school is not an easy thing to start. And it's not like, it's like, they don't have HR. Like they're a small establishment. It's like, they don't really have, like everyone wants to learn to act. They don't have people coming in and going, let's be appropriate and all that stuff. Like when, when 2020 happened around the BLM time, the BHP got canceled. People came for the BHP. Students were bringing up, Things that had happened years before, complaints about teachers, complaints about the head of the school, Alan Barton, who was my teacher and still my good friend now, about their politics and about things that they'd done wrong to students, you know, complaints of bullying. And um, they wrote a long letter and was like angry at him and saying that he should do this. Alan, yes. Alan specifically. Put in a, like, like a, put in a board of directors that are, you know, um, that are diverse and that, you know, it's like, it's like- What do you mean, like yeah. Richard Lawson was there for Richard a long, Lawson long time? Richard Lawson was there for a long time, but yeah. it was just like, I don't think you not understand what it takes to run a small business. It's not yeah. like we have ample money that we can have a HR or a board of directors or, you know, be able to field complaints whenever they happen. You know, it's like, I think people don't understand quite how small businesses work. 
Look, I, to- I totally understand that. And, and, and to, the, to the point that you were asking me about how young I started and, and partly like what I talk about on Vulnerable is infrastructure in the arts, in, in, in mental health and how that's really not safeguarded and mm. developed mm-hmm. and critically thought about. And you're talking about a bunch of artists that truly need mental health. In fact, SAG has a pretty good mental health um, coverage oh, good. for like folks. It's the health, the health and well, the health. Um, yeah, yeah, the SAG, okay, cool. the SAG health plan. Oh, cool. It's it's got great mental health. Like it kicks in, you get great, you know, level of of, uh, of mental health psychotherapy, whatever it is. Of all the unions, we need it most. That's what I'm trying to say <laughs> is that there's no infrastructure otherwise. Though there's yep. just like go to a doctor, get some pills or whatever you need to do. But um, but yeah, I I, I think I, I feel for the kids in this scenario. Totally. You know what I'm saying, yeah, totally. where it's like they're the ones that are the most at most at risk of being children in an adult working environment. So yeah. I I have taken it upon myself to use my platform in general to talk about, you know, to interview folks. Um, I don't just interview child stars, but there are folks that I like to have that I've known or mm-hmm. haven't been able to catch up with mm-hmm. since I moved to Texas and. I don't identify as an actor. Okay. I don't. I don't. Um, it's fucking weird because it's literally all I ever did. Yeah, yeah. Didn't thought about and like it, it, it controlled your life for a time. But even when I was at Beverly Hills Playhouse, Alan gave me a free ride for a bit because I couldn't afford to go. Mm-hmm. And um, he was really sweet. And and um, he was like, you know, you really got to try hard. Um, and I did. But then I just... I don't know what it was. I fell out of love with the industry aspect of it. Yeah, totally, totally. And so when people are talking to me about like, hey, you know, um, would would you put your kids in it? I'm always like, no, they need to love the arts first. Not the, because the industry is not something that you can love. I mean, do you, do you agree or disagree? Oh, totally. No, no, it's, 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 it's like, it's like how, um, you know, I'm a Christian and people always are like, oh, fuck Christians. And I'm like, totally. But you can't say that about the you know, you can't say that about Jesus. Like you can't say that about Christianity itself. You can say fuck Christians as in the establishment and the people are completely different. And so the act, acting itself, which, you know, in the in illustration of Christianity versus Christians is the Jesus bit. The industry is Christians. It's like, you know what I mean? Oh, the I industry see. is messed up and that's what we hate. We love acting and that's beautiful. But all the things around it that surround what we, what we want to do are messed up. That's a really cool way of looking at it. It's because it's because humans, it's the, wherever mm-hmm, humans go, it's the human interpretation yeah. of it. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's the, it, you're very fallible. Absolutely. But that's why there needs to be checks and balances, infrastructure, totally. and 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 it's a very complex issue. And there is now, like I remember in just 2019, I was shooting a show and I was had to, had to do sex scenes, and they asked if we wanted in, an intimacy coach. Then in 2021, when I came back, had another intimacy scene, an intimate scene, they didn't ask. They were like, you have an intimacy coach. Okay. There's no more asking. There's no <laughs> more, you don't have a choice anymore. We have okay. an intimacy coach and they're gonna work with you. And uh, that's the way that it, I, I think that it's, that's it's good, changed. That's right? And I think it's good. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, it's generally good. Like for me, I'm like, well, that's not good f- for me because, <laughs> well, I trust me. Uh-huh. You know, I know I'm going to be yeah. okay. Yeah. But for other people, it, it's a good thing because it's like, well, I don't know if they're scared. It makes them feel better. And as well as that, I don't know if the other actor, you know, the uh, the actor that somebody else might work with might be a prick, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think true. it is that it's good that it's in place. But I wanted to ask you because you did start so young uh-huh. and and being famous so young and being in the in- or famous and in the industry, uh-huh. how has it affected your emotional life. I think that's what people really are most interested in when it comes to child actors. It's like, how has it affected your emotions as an adult? Do you feel stunted in any way? Do you feel like you didn't quite get to grow up? Um, it's such a good question, Luke. Uh, I was stunted for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I drank my way through my 20s and I felt stuck uh, in LA and I couldn't leave. And you know, I did I did seek out community like at BHP and mm-hmm. I did find it to a degree, but I couldn't fully feel, I, I just, I, I didn't fall in love with that. Uh, and uh, I was very lonely. I was very lonely for a long time because, you know, everyone would be celebrating their wins because you announce your wins at the beginning of the class. Yeah. And some of my wins would be fucking massive. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember I booked Avenue Q on Broadway because 
um, you know, my my managers, I was like reading them the riot act and I'm like, I need to get back to Broadway. Like, please make this happen. And so they they hired me for like two months to like bring in college students who had probably watched me when they were kids and now they're older. And so I got stunt casted, right? Which is like a backdoor way of casting. It's, right. like, a, it's like an offer only, but, and, and, and so it's not that I wasn't proud of that moment, but I knew that per, per protocol, I had to go up and celebrate that. And so for people that saw me not doing my best work in class, and then I announced that I'm like gonna just go off and be on Broadway, like oh, yeah. what an asshole I was, right? Yes. In retrospect. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't feel like I could really truly, um, I don't think my community can understand my privilege in that way. Yeah. Um, so there was that. And and so yeah, I stunted myself. And then I think, um, I think just uh, codependency and addiction with alcohol and stuff kind of set in over time. Yeah. Like I didn't have any coping mechanisms from living on my own or, you know, going to therapy consistently. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of fucking sucked. And I got to a pretty dark place with it. I went back to New York and uh, was kind of at a low, uh, even though I was able to go back to school because at um, Columbia University, you, you can take, especially at the Ivies, you could take professional leave. So I kept taking professional leave. It took me 12 years to finally finish wow. my degree. What did you, you get your degree in? Film studies. Oh, cool. Yeah, I know. But I was like, uh, initially I went for, for human rights. Okay. I thought I was going to be like fucking Angelina Jolie. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like fix the world. Yeah. What's Clooney's? Uh, Amal. Amal. Yeah. Amal. Wow. She's gorgeous. Been that that could have been you. That could have been me. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, You're you know. that for child stars. But yeah, you, you oh sure, hell stuff. yeah. Because I think, you know, one thing that I really am thinking about a lot, consider, I knew that I, the one reason, one reason I really wanted to talk to you was to kind of ask you, you know, like when you were picked up when you were like six years old at that dance thing, is it pedophilic? Oh, fuck. Um, pedophilic? Yeah, the industry, like the, the industry that like needs kids in order to operate. Oh. Is it as a whole, do you think, systemically pedophilic or is it just around the edges? There are a couple of creeps. <laughs> okay, I think that it's predatory. Mm. I think on the whole, it's predatory because you are exploiting child labor without infrastructures in place to protect them um, for decades without any interest in... Uh, after care, mm -hmm. uh, you know, kids are put in situations that are, and I'm not saying this is Disney or Nickelodeon because usually this doesn't happen with them. Um, well, Disney, I don't know about Nickelodeon these days, but um, I'm realizing just how sheltered I was by working for Disney, to be honest with you, okay. which might come as a surprise to some people, but uh, I'm starting to really appreciate my experience with them. Yeah. And I'm not even, that that's sounds... like, originally I didn't want to say anything about Disney. Mm. And then I read Jeanette McCurdy's book and I was like, oh wow, like, actually really was in this little bubble at yeah. Disney. Um, yeah. And because they had a lot of fear in in who they had to answer to above them. So there was checks and balances. Yeah. And they needed us to keep working in a healthy capacity without any problems. Yes. So the fear kind of led us to be safer in that regard. So yeah. I don't care what motivates you. If it's fear that has to be in play for for things to operate, then I mean, I'm, a, I'm of the mindset of like, scare the shit out of Whoever you need to scare the shit out of. Yeah, great. But look, I think anyone who comes up against trying to fix this problem, which is very multi-layered and complex, and without data, which is also something that, you know, I have a coalition now, and like the coalition is geared towards trying to find a way to collect data. Because one of the problems is, is that how do you identify a problem if no one wants to be like, this is a problem, this exists, it exists. We all know it's a part of like meme culture and we're yes. all laughing about it. And we're, we're, we're thinking about Amanda Bynes right now, but like, and it's all almost like schadenfreude where it's like, is she, you know, it's, it's funny to watch. It's not funny to watch. It's a car accident. It's just not cool. Mm. So yeah, I mean, so, it's yeah, predatory. You're, you're saying that right use. now it's hearsay. Well, it's, I, the data is not there. And it's it, in terms of the, the, the sexual abuse, I don't think we can really expect victims to come forward in the capacity of me too, because they were children. Yeah. And so what that trauma looks like for folks is, is, is very different. Um, I would imagine, mm. um, you know, I, I was, um, I was, a man exposed himself to me, um, 
when I was at the Oakwood apartments. Um, back in the day, Oakwoods was basically where every child actor stayed and mm. lived mm. for bouts of time. Um, I remember there was a, a man who had a dog. Um, I was about nine at the time, mm -hmm. and I loved animals. And uh, he uh, asked me to come over his house, and he had a girlfriend or something, and so my mom had no idea. She thought he was great. And she, and she asked, and I went over to play because he was like a couple condos down. And so I remember remember him, you know, wearing sweatpants and whatever. And and, and I, I think I was exposed, but I don't think he was doing it directly. I just think that it was, you know, it was a different time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I just know that the concept of what the Oakwood represents is extremely triggering for a lot of people, not just me. Yeah. And and again, it's you're displacing children with, you know, and that's kind of what you're doing. You're displacing children. You're right. As in you're taking them out of the care of their parents. And their siblings, their family dynamic. They're, you're disrupting uh, the lives of their siblings. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're hurting their chances at, um, at learning coping skills. To, and, then, and then it's not even, and this is why we see it uh, kind of like web out years later. It's because it's not what's happening to them while they're um, com complacent, not complacent, um, like uh, malleable. You know, like mm. they're they're able to, able to do whatever you tell them to do. It's when they start to come of age and everyone just kind of throws their hands up and they're like, oh, I can't do, do anything for you anymore. It's like when they start to really try to process that trauma yeah. that is really crazy. It breaks my heart. I know, I know it does, Luke. As and a I, parent, because you see, <laughs> when you see, like when I think about my son and I just think you, it's true, you tell them what to do and they generally do it. Like you plonk them in front of the TV, they don't know what's going on, on the TV, they're gonna watch it. Mm -hmm. And all the ways that you can affect them mm -hmm. and all the ways that it could be negative. So how does it affect the way that you, your experience with this, how does it affect the way that you now parent? Oh, wow. Again, Sicilian. So, and my husband's like a ex-Marine Irish guy. So we're, yeah. we're angry motherfuckers. Yeah. And no one's gonna fuck with us. Mm. I mean, we have a death pact. Okay, if one of us cheats, the other one gets to kill the other person. So <laughs> we we are serious. <laughs> I just, I but I love us though. Do you see what I'm saying? Like mm. my husband's been to war and like, and, ha and, and told me, he's like, your fucking child actor problems. Like I love you and I'm gonna ride or die for you, but keep perspective, yeah. which is why I love your content mm -hmm. because it speaks to me. It's why he laughs and I laugh. Cause it's like, it's just life right. and it sucks sometimes, but like people suck, but mm -hmm. people, you know, and it's, and it's like, you're Christian, right? And, and yet you've played Satan. Mm -hmm. And like, I see on my note card right here, cause we're cross examining each other. I don't know if you've realized this, this is also gonna live on his podcast wow. um, network, but like, you know, your mom doesn't want to accept you playing Satan, but yet, you you probably were doing that as a means of artistic expression. It wasn't because totally. you <laughs> side with Satan. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I always thought whenever my, you know, my mom never got upset about it. The Daily Mail wrote that. My mom was just like not going to watch it because she just wasn't in. She's not into the witch and devil thing. She just is a, she's a pure woman, you know. <laughs> She likes to keep it that way. She doesn't oh, so want to see it. So she's not watching your 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 scenes, your sex oh, scenes. No, no, no. She doesn't see any of it. That and would fucking scar me for life if I had to watch. Like I did a naked, I did a nude scene. Oh. Um, I did a nude scene, and I can never live that down. Wow. And but I remember my dad calling me and being like, "Hey, you know, just so you know, there's some websites that are going around, and like I accidentally had to like see that, and it scarred me. So I was like, fuck That's my hard. life. I was like, fuck my life. That's hard. What yeah. are you talking full frontal naked? Yeah, semi semi full front. So like yeah, just like boobs. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, that is that's like a, a shower lot. scene. Okay, yeah. Have yeah, you done yeah. a shower that's scene? A lot. Uh, shower scene? No, I've done a couple of sex scenes. I've never been full frontal naked, like no penis. Right. Um, or merkin or whatever. What is it? The, they give you a dawn. <laughs> yeah, they give you the, like a thing. The merkin is a like a the, it's a like a pubic wig. Okay. And I, yeah, I think they do, they do have fake penises, but okay. no, I've never done any of that stuff. Um, cool. Um, but yeah, my mum. I mean, I think that it is ancient. Like, mm -hmm. theater is ancient. We've been doing it for thousands upon thousands of years, and people have played Satan across that time, you know? And so, like, even back in the earliest, earliest theater, people were playing Lucifer or Satan or the bad demons and stuff like that. So for me, it's just like, this is play. Like, this is fun. There's no seriousness to this. Mm -hmm. For people who want to take Satan seriously, okay, you can take seriousness. But this is make-believe, baby. You know, like, <laughs> I'm here to tell you, like, I'm dressing up as Satan, going and kicking the shit out of playing Satan, and then I go home and pray to God. 
Oh, so <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I didn't realize you're a Christian. Yeah, I wouldn't have known that from your content. You can't tell from my content, no. <laughs> I and I'm I, because I don't see that there, there's such a difference between being a Christian and being able to entertain and be funny, and also to mock people who are being overtly sexual online. Mm -hmm. To just make a mockery out of it, it's mm -hmm. um, I for me, I I don't see any. Um, I understand that people will be like, I didn't think you were Christian, but I just don't think that they're they uh, juxtapose each other. I don't think that they're, they butt heads. Mutually exclusive or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can be many things. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Absolutely. So uh, what about, um, I have to talk to you about Shia LaBeouf because, you, you, <laughs> well, you've, you've talked about it. And, I do. Yeah, and and one thing that I'm most interested in about it is just like, did you know he was a star? Yeah. yeah. Well, he knew he was a star. So wow. everyone else knew that he was a star. Well, we're talking about a guy who was like, what, 15, <laughs> thinking he's a star. I met him when he was like 12. Okay. Right? And he thought And I he was, was 14. Well, he had to be to survive. Right. So the story goes that like his father was a uh, clown in the circus that raised chickens. Um, and his mom was sort of also a part of this like bohemian Venice kind of thing. And come to find out she was actually being sexually assaulted and... They lived in a strange condo complex, and mm. he ended up um, really having to see a lot at a very, very young age. And the father was in and out of rehab, and he was actually doing community service as his guardian, which I was not aware of, by the way, which I would not have been okay with. Uh, I don't think that was good on our producers to like basically allow him to be on set when he he had, you know, a violent um, um, criminal background. Right. Um, I was sixteen, mm. you know, and he was not. His father was not the friendliest guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, so basically, uh, Shai was, uh, you know, had a very tumultuous childhood ongoing. Yep. Yep. And because of that, I was. It, it's been said that he called at eight years old, went into a phone book, looked up agencies, probably as soon as he could read, and and called up his his manager that stayed his manager probably to this day, um, Crosby was his last name, I think. And uh, he, uh, yeah, man, I mean, like he was extremely motivated from a young age. Yeah. And it was because he needed to get out of his situation. Wow. So there was, it, yeah, and that's what I'm trying to say is like, he's a unique situation in that most people, most kids that are coming from uh, low income situations don't look like Shia. So yeah. they don't necessarily get to get the screen time that he was able to get. Yes. Um, and they have to go through for everything that you see, every kid that you see successful, there's thousands of them that are on the fringe of this industry that are being either, you know, put through different hoops that are sort of inappropriate with promises of, you know, doing different things. And mm. like, for example, like non-union on location movies. I got a call from a mom who said that her daughter was put in a, a very unsafe situation. Her daughter's like um, six years old or something like that, maybe a little younger. And now because that actor chose to go method and threaten her daughter for hours, even when she was off screen and could have been in a tennis ball eyeline, he cursed at her, threatened her by knife, um, had her strapped to a chair, uh, you know, called her the C word and um, oh my terrified this child. And, and the mom was like, my child can't sleep without me and she won't take a bath. She won't, she has to have the light on anywhere. She's afraid of the dark. And she was like, what can I do? And I was like, well, you allowed this to happen. And I know that that's going to hurt you, but I need to tell you the truth. Wow. You allowed this to happen. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. This is the truth. Yeah. Because this is what you really want to hear. What you really want to hear is that you're going to take accountability as a parent and now you're going to get your child what she needs to survive and get mm. better from this. Yes. And so I gave her the tough love. Um, and then um, I was like, but I know that you care because you're having this conversation with someone like me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, when, it's when the parents, the stage parents, stay blissfully ignorant and just, I don't know, get, allow themselves to be groomed. I mean, I, and like you said, how is, this, how is my experience affecting the way that I'm parenting? Like I said, I'm angry. My husband's angry. We're, no one's getting past whatever we can control it's it's we are a tight-knit family yeah. and um that is that is what i've seen displayed in the most positive outcomes for for kids whether their parent was called stage mom in a bad way because they weren't manipulable or what do you want to call it malleable they weren't um 
corruptible. Yeah. Like that parent was actually the best kind of parent that they that that kid could have. So mm. I do think that I would never really put my kids in the arts um, in, a, in a commodified sense. Mm. But I take my girls to Nutcracker every year. And I, I really enjoy, you know, just just going to the arts with them and yeah. exposing them to Broadway and. And I love Austin, by the way. Like, I, I really would love for you to come visit. I'd love to come visit. Um, and meet your wife and your baby and stuff. And, like, I just... I've got two. You've got two? Two babies. You do? Yeah, i got a four-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, no, no. It's, 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 How did I not know that? That's okay. It's it's. They look exactly the same. They look very similar. <laughs> one's same. small, one's a little bit bigger. Yeah, they look exactly the you same. You have two children. Two. Are you tired? Little bit. Because when you have multiple kids, you're fucking tired all the time. I know. Oh single goodness. single kids, I'm always like, you got this. Like, calm <laughs> yeah. the fuck down. We got like, my this. son, like, was crying in his room last night, and I came up, and sometimes I sleep in the room with him. Uh-huh. And I picked him up, and he was, and, and I was hugging him, and I go to put him back. He's like, no, daddy, sleep, sleep. Yeah. And so he's asking me to sleep in the room. Yeah. And, of course, I just give in. Of course. And I go and get my pillow. This is I, your life now, Luke. I know. Good I, luck. Secretly, I love it. Yeah. Like, I love that he wants me to sleep there. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. Yeah. But just cool. in regards to the, there's a few things I want to say. But yeah, go for it. Just in regards to the Shire thing about the, 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 there's something about being so poor that you have to get it done. You know, about where he was at in his life, where he made the call and, and you knew he was going to be star, a star. And you said, well, what you said was like, he knew he had to be. Like he had to be in order to get out of his situation. Mm -hmm. And I think there is nothing, you know, and this is what's so important, I think, for a lot of people to get out there. There is no, nothing will make you a better artist or make you more productive than being hungry. It's so, like being poor is the best teacher. It is like, wow, this sucks. I have to get out of it. I have to get better. I have to get good quick. Mm -hmm. It's like you see it with rappers. You see like early Jay-Z, and then now Jay-Z. And the difference is a couple billion dollars. And it's not good now. Like, you know, know, but it was so good. He knew that though, because I, I love like conscious hip hop and mm -hmm. I love the good stuff. I don't really love anything these days. It's very hard to fucking stomach. <laughs> um, but he, he said that he was like, I'm done. Like after right. the blueprint, he yeah. was like, I'm done. Auto-tune. He should have been done. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess he, he he tried to do title and then like he tries to come back now and then, but. Yeah, yeah. But nothing, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's just so interesting that that really like a, a certain desperation is actually really helpful for an artist. I mean, I sure. did 10 years here without booking like nothing but a couple of co-stars. And so it was 10 like. 10 years? 10 years without like any sign of like, I, I knew that I was good because I went to the Beverly Hills Playhouse. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I, so I, no, I seriously knew that I was good because because people would tell me that I was good. And I was like, I know that I'm good because I look around and I'm like, that person's good. I think I'm even better than yeah. them. And, you know, you kind of gauge where you're at in the industry and you go to auditions and they're like, this is really, you, you're really good, but you wouldn't get the role. And then like after 10 years, something comes through that's perfect for you. Like that was Sabrina for me. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Did it did it click in for you um, when you got the audition where you're like I'm this is gonna be mine or no I didn't I as soon as I saw it I was like this isn't for me and then I went home and learned it but that's my that's what I automatically do every time I see a new audition I'm like this isn't for me I shouldn't do this yeah, I'm gonna write and tell them I'm not gonna do it <laughs> and then I go to write it and I don't write it and then I look at it again I'm like oh, okay maybe I can do this and then I went and I messed up. I, I nailed the first audition. They gave me a call back later that afternoon and I messed it up. I couldn't say the first line, mm. couldn't get it out. And then eventually I got it out and I was like, I messed that up. I wanted you to walk You were in your head and, or something. Yeah, I just wanted to, I, I was, it, I, it was a casting director that I hadn't seen in years who wouldn't give me an audition. And he <laughs> gave me one and this was it. And I was like, I just messed up my relationship with him again. He's not going to see me for another five years. Oh no. And so I left wanting to punch a wall. I really did think about punching a wall. What is it with you actors? Um, and punching walls. And punching walls. It's actually white guys named Kyle particularly love to punch drywall. And Luke and, and Mark. And yeah, Mark and <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. <laughs> Any of the gospels. Um, yeah, we love to punch walls. But anyway. And you do this thing when you punch, you go, oh, and then you punch it. <laughs> and then you punch it and then you're like, my hand. Fuck. And then and then you grab it and you're like, no, it's fine. Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we're like. Yeah. You've just nailed my personality down. Punching punching <laughs> know, drywall. Punching out. drywall. Mm. Um, but yeah. you didn't, which says a lot about you. You didn't punch. Yeah, I, I held back. And then um, and then I got it, you know, but it was just, it was literally 10 years of me being without hope 
the only hope was like in here kind of. It was like I know that I can do it. Okay. And then you get it and that's a really special it's a really special thing to be that desperate <laughs> and to be that hungry for that long. It is, man. Yeah. And when did you meet your wife and all that? Uh, not long after I shot Sabrina. It's some funny how thing when it rains it pours. Yeah. I got that TV show that I booked another TV show. I met her and she grew up on the same street in, as me in Sydney. We met here via her best friend. I used to teach a train, uh, a, a, a fitness class called Training Mate and her best friend came and I became friends with her. I added her on Instagram. Uh, her best friend posted a picture of my future wife. I was like, who the fuck is that? You have to introduce me. They introduced me. I went, went on this date, didn't know, even know she was Australian, let alone she grew up on the same street as me. And then, so we met here and we, we knew, it was like, we need to have babies. <laughs> we, we need to procreate as soon as possible. We need to procreate as soon as possible. I love that. I know that feeling. Yeah. It's hard to get to, especially when you are sort of like a working actor or you're trying to figure shit out. Mm -hmm. It's not a wealthy lifestyle. No. <laughs> Unless it, you become a TikTok star. Right. Well, it's also <laughs> a commodity to be single in this industry. Because people like the idea that they could sleep with you. Yeah. Producers like that idea. It's, really? It's, it's Producers? Kind of, oh, totally. Casting directors and, yeah, you know, I'm not, so. not saying all of them. I'm just saying, like, yeah. there's a few of them who have always been, like, flirted with you. Yeah, and I guess like, you're right. Now, when they find out that you're not attainable, is like, cut that off. Or the ones that don't care that you're not attainable are super sleazy. Right. Super sleazy. Mm. That's Have a gross you felt thing. that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Mm. Um, even after I got married, it was it, I still had a target on my back by even a worse type of people. Wow. So I I can't I can't subject myself to um, that kind of moral um, uh, <laughs> vapidity, if you will. Mm. Um, and so for me, unless it's like I'm running the show and I know I'm in a safe place, or I I really trust those around me, it's gonna take. It's gonna take me also aging up. Like something that I always got feedback from with Disney, which is why they haven't like, you know, booked me as a mom yet, was that like, well, this was when I knew the people in charge and now everyone's new, but it was like, you know, you're just not, you don't look old enough to be a mom yet. I'm like, but I am a mom, mm. but I get it. I didn't look like old enough to have like a 12 year old kid or something like that. Yeah, but that's a compliment. It's a compliment. It's totally fine. But then it's like, but you're not, you know how it is. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. And so you're trying to live your life in, in this frozen fear. And for me, it was very toxic. So, so I don't identify as an actor. I, I identify as a creator. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> for your own sanity, that's another question that I had for you because something I've been thinking about a lot lately is I've changed my definition of success so that, you know, as an actor, um, when you are, when you do identify as an actor, you, your success is based on that. And it's based yeah. on calls that are coming in telling you yes or no. Yes, you're a success. No, you failed again. Or you just don't even yeah. hear a call at all. At all. And yeah. then you're living in this like constant state of, almost like a needy needy girlfriend or exactly. needy girl. In fact, you're right. The calls never come in to say no. Not anymore. They just, they just, don't, they just don't call. Yeah, because you're, you're putting everything on tape now and it's like very different. Yes. And so I've decided to redefine success for myself so that I don't, weigh, I don't base my success off a phone call. Nobody else can dictate to me my own success. You don't get to call and say yes or no, yes, you're successful or no, you're not. It's up to me now. And so there, therefore, like my success is, is not about the call that comes. It's about the feeling of fulfillment that I know that I want. Like when they say yes, it's about going to set and feeling the fulfillment creatively of getting it done, going home and getting the check. That feeling of fulfillment is actually what we consider success to be. It's actually what we want. Mm -hmm. So I've decided to make sure that I can feel that feeling without the call of the yes. Mm -hmm. Without the going to set, I am successful because I feel that fulfillment within me. And it can be from making a great TikTok and going, man, that was great. I know. I know when people want to shit on the dopamine thing, I'm like, no, but like, <laughs> but it, but when you're building a presence online, like mm -hmm. that actually does matter. And it's, and it's actually bullshit. Um, you can talk to, you can listen to Andrew Huberman talk about this. The feeling of dopamine that you get from social media is very light unless you've done the work. When you do the work to get the dopamine, and it, and it comes through, that's a great reward. And okay. you should reward yourself accordingly. Oh, of Huber, Huberman Labs, right? Yes, exactly. That's a great podcast. It's a great podcast. Yeah. Um, and he's amazing. But the, the, the dopamine hit from so, social media is overstated. It's not yeah. a real thing. I buy that. Yeah. So it's actually, and, it, and for people like us who actually do the work to get the likes, to get the hits, 
that is a good dopamine reward system because we mm -hmm. do the work. If you just think like posting a bikini picture of yourself is the dopamine, you're not going to get the dopamine. Mm -hmm. You're going to do the dopamine only if you get the work in order to get it. 100%. Yeah. I have enjoyed speaking with you. Zoom. And uh, it was this fun cross collab. <laughs> this was crazy because our, our, our circles really did kind of cross collab more than I thought they did. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. Beverly Hills Playhouse. Who knew? It's crazy. It's but so one crazy. second, you have to tell me your definition of success. Uh, how do you define it for yourself? Do you know how? Uh, uh, wow. Um, I think... Fuck. Um, I think if, if I were to say it right now, it'd be sobriety. Mm. Um, but I, I'm not in a 12-step program. Okay. I was in Al-Anon for a long time, and then um, I should have been in AA at the time. But So I speak program, but I'm not yeah. in a program. Okay. And, um, and yet I am sober. So it's, uh, it's really fascinating to, yeah. to, to know that, like, you know, I understand it. I respect it. I'm not doing it. But I am, right? Mm. And so I am a success in knowing that. Yeah, that's um, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a perfect person, but I know that I'm, I'm trying to do stuff for good and 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 have substantial value in the stuff I make. Which is why it was so shitty that that lady wrote that article to bring it all the way around because I'm Sicilian and I'm fucking vengeful. <laughs> but it's like when you when you dedicate your life to being authentic and mm -hmm. that comes into question, mm. not once, but like three or four times during an article mm -hmm. and, it, and, and, and you are basically um, uh, boiled down to your eyelashes, yeah. being real or not. Mm -hmm. I think it can be, it can be a learning moment of like, I'm going to get a thicker skin. And so how I'm going to continue to define myself is exactly like what you just said. Like, I'm not going to worry about a phone call. Mm. I'm not going to worry about um, an article written or a comment made going forward. Yeah, I'm going to just stay in my lane and focus on my own personal growth and my and my company's growth. So Absolutely. And I believe in whatever you've got going on here. You have a slick production happening here. Thank you. And also let me just say, you know, Fuck the Texas Journal. It's Suck my dick. Texas Monthly. Texas, whatever. Both. <laughs> suck both. Both of them suck my dick. And I'm trying to actually be very chill about it. I, I, I just think it was a miscommunication. No, she was mean to you. No, seriously, you didn't earn the meanness. We just let's just clarify. This person was mean to you without you deserving it. Luke's like my big brother, guys. It's not fair. It's very sweet of you. Thank you. It's not fair. It's not okay. And we shouldn't allow people to be like that. Like, I hope her family says something to her. I hope her friends step in and go, why the fuck are you writing like that about people? Okay, good. How is that okay in your soul? Thank she you. did the wrong fucking thing. Thank you, Luke. It's okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. And how can we find you then? <laughs> um, I have a podcast of my own, The Zaddy Zone. I also have, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, The Luke Cook. How can we find you? <laughs> YouTube, um, Vulnerables on Spotify. You crush it on YouTube. Mm, I how did. How many subscribers do you have? I think like 360 now, but but I mean, wow. you know, that's- 360K she's talking about, <laughs> not 360, 360,000. <laughs> okay. I, I'm working towards all things, but yeah. uh, day to time. Day to time. Day to time is the sobriety thing mm -hmm. too, isn't it? Day that's great. Yeah, cool. Success is a day at a time. It is. I yeah. find that I, I'm, I'm saying that a lot, but I'm not meaning it in the sober context. I'm saying it to a lot of people because every day seems like crazy shit is coming. Yep. To us. And so um, it's just day at a time. Yeah. For everybody right now. <laughs> day at a time. Love yourself. Love other people. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of the Vulnerable Podcast. For clips of this episode, go ahead and check out the Podco YouTube channel. Links in the description.